Okay, so thank you everybody, or if you're joining us tonight for Heal With The Real. Um, I've got an amazing guest tonight. We, well, I do Heal With The Real podcast because I just want to highlight people's survival journey and how they've gone from trauma to triumph and how how people can become so resilient and share their stories so that we can help others become resilient in their so, you know if they're going through any trauma and anything resonates that we can support people even like as Janice just said if we can support just one person to um heal through their trauma or support them with some tools so it, I wanted to do Heal With The Real is around, really around my book, Fix Your Future. So I wrote Fix Your Future back in July 2021 um, due to uh, a domestic abuse that I'd gone through and narcissistic abuse and how I'd, I, I, all the tools basically that I'd used through that. Um, so yes, they're all in my books. If anybody is on Amazon, if anybody wants to get that, but the tools in the back are in there that I use to heal or use if anything, you know, comes up that triggers me. So tonight's guest, um, I'm really, really pleased to have is Janice Richardson. And do you want to just introduce yourself a little bit, Janice? No, you do it. <laughs> um, well, we met through the Women's Working Network, didn't we? Um, and I can't remember what it's pronounced, but we met through... Wise. Wise, okay. W-Y-S-E, isn't it? And we instantly connected because we've had not the same journeys, but similar traumatic journeys. Um, sorry about that, my son. These <laughs> things happen. So, yeah, we've, we've gone through similar journeys and, you know, I really connected, made a connection with Janice and, um, you know, she said she would like to come on the podcast and start to tell her story. So I'd like you just to say a little bit about your background. Okay. And wh where you're from, what you do now, and then we'll go into a little bit about your story, if that's okay. Okay. Well... Uh, from the age of nine until 23, I was physically, mentally and sexually abused by my father. Um, kept a little bit of a prisoner in the house. I had to be, you know, where he could check on me. Yeah. Bear, in mind, bear in mind, this is when we had landlines only. No mobiles, no, no tech at all. Yeah. Um, so that was Hetman Dwyke um, in the in the 70s and 80s. Um, I, I, oh, you're frozen. I don't know if that's me. I'm moving. Yeah, you're all right. Yeah, it must have been. Apologies for that. No worries. Um, so 23 is when I started living, basically. That's how I look at it, my new life. Um, I started off working for a company that sold carpets. It was a national company. Um, ended up managing, very quickly, managing three, three shops in the region, Huddersfield, Dewsbury, and Bradford. 
Um, from then on, I've done nothing but work for myself apart from a stint when I moved to Northern Ireland 20 years ago. Um, at a, and, I, and that was a, an under manager in a department store wasn't my choice but it was my choice to work for someone didn't work out and didn't like it so I went back to working for myself at the moment um I'm living between Northern Ireland and Hetmanswijk hence the West Yorkshire connection um and I'm sort of juggling three balls at the minute because I've always got a project on the go. I've always got something on the go, something on the start, because I enjoy building businesses. When I've built it, I don't really want it, so I sell it on. So at the moment, um, I'm working on three projects. I have um, an online bookshop that I've had for probably 25 years now. That I was an inaugural uh, bookseller on Amazon, which we can talk about later. Um, I also used to design for two fashion houses. I can't say the names because I, I'm, I'm on a, an NDR. Um, but I decided I'm coming up to nearly 60. Oh. So it's time to do my own designs with the recognition because you don't get recognition when you design for these fashion houses they take all the glory um so the third project amanda i have decided i, I mothballed in when when the crash came in 20 uh to 2008 um i was about to launch and i'd done a pilot for this particular business um, at that time, I had an art gallery and I was going to put um, art into airports and I had it all ready and I trialled it at Derry City Airport in Northern Ireland and it went really well. So now, because I'm a bit bored just designing and crocheting at the moment, I've decided it's ready to go, it's time to take it out of the mothballs. And Leeds Bradford Airport is my first, my first airport that I'm going to go and get. Wow. I mean, okay. that, that's, that's incredible. I mean, we'll go a bit deeper into all those things, but let's start from when you were a young girl. You know, how was that being locked up by your father? Well, you, you kind of, you... you you have two choices. You either become a victim or you survive it. At the age of 12, I knew exactly what was going on and I knew it wasn't my fault. And I think that when you realize that, that's the turning point. Yeah. At 12 year old, I was aware and bear in mind in those days, we were a lot more innocent. You know, we were kids then we weren't grown up at, you know, at, at eight. At 12, I was naive, innocent, no idea what sex or anything was. So it was a shock and it was horrible. Yeah. But you have to you have to sort of. Do the best you can. So. 
everybody knew my dad was a bit on the violent side with the family because everybody got hit, you know, and, and back then it was a case of you made your bed, you lie in it. My little mother is four foot 11. Well, she was four foot 11, as thin as a little lat, six and a half stone wet if she was lucky. Um, she did take some some beatings I'll be honest she took some really heavy beatings so that me and my brother didn't but we still got them so violence um and and mind games etc was the norm you know and you tend to put up with it fear is a great leveler fear is a tool in horrible hands you know, they know what to do with it. The fear that I had and the threats that I had, if ever I told anybody, and it's so easy for people that haven't gone through any trauma to come and tell you, oh, you should have come to us. You could have told us. Why didn't you say, oh, yeah. Hindsight's fantastic. Yeah, of course. Uh, but when you live in it and you have the threat that if you tell anyone, your mother, your brother and yourself will be dead yeah quiet so it's it's a great you know it's a great tool in the wrong hands is fear yeah absolutely and so as a 12 year old when you had that realization that this wasn't right what what happened next where were you you know because I know that you said you had a job you went ended up getting a part-time job was that the same time or no that was I wasn't I was 18 when when I was allowed, and I and I say allowed because that was his control. Um, I was 18 when he allowed me to go to work. Um, and it was only because my mum worked at Fox's Biscuits on the evening shift that he allowed me to go there and back with her. So those five hours at Fox's Biscuits, I could feel normal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But before, before that, I mean, I went to Hetman Dwight Grammar, did all the academic stuff, but we weren't allowed to do homework. This is his weird, warped mind. We weren't allowed to do, my brother went there as well. We weren't allowed to do homework and things. So it was a quick five minutes in the morning to do, or, you know, and we were sort of classed really as dunces, but we, but we weren't. Yeah. The only, um, as my brother got older and kind of stood up to my my father a little bit, he got more freedom because we we were allowed to play out of the garden even before all this happened, you know, before this all started. He was a very Victorian man. Yeah. Um, Children were seen and not heard, that type of thing. So, you know, um, up to 18 my life was in the house I was allowed out and it sounds silly saying this but I was allowed out during the day for x amount of time to go down shopping with my mum I mean it, it was a prisoner it wasn't you know I wasn't locked up and chained or anything like that but we lived for years and years and years and I think it affected my mother in our later life, we lived for years and years without new furniture, any furniture. Um, the carpets were taken up. This was when I was getting older. 
carpets were taken up, vinyl was taken up, and we lived on floorboards. He made it as horrible as he could. He took all the wallpaper off all the house um, so that we wouldn't have people come in. If, if I was in the house and he was at work, I wouldn't have anybody sneaking in. That was his mentality. Wow. So we lived in dump, basically. And wow. I'll say that, you know, because that's what he made it. Yeah. Um, so, you know... <laughs> I actually, at sort of 18, 19, thought that that was my lot. And until I die, this is where it's going to be like. Wow. So talk then, me through, oh, Sorry, go on. Sorry, Amanda. And then um, just before my 23rd birthday, um, we had an argument. I, I actually talked back to him because I think I was just that fed up of it. Um, but again, the, by that time, my brother had unfortunately died a, a couple of years before that on a, a motorbike accident. So um, my mother was kind of lost to me because she was lost to herself at the time. Was there just the two of you as siblings? Yes, yes. yes. So um, one night he... I answered him back and he got me on the floor and tried strangling me and he nearly succeeded, nearly succeeded. If it hadn't have been for my mother coming down and distracting him, I think she hit him over the head with a, a vodka bottle or, or something. Um, I think I would have been dead. Wow. So the next morning he'd gone to work and my mum was an old folks warden around where we lived and she was out on her round and at 10 o'clock, I can remember it as if it was yesterday, at 10 o'clock I, um, I went to find her and said, look mum, my brother had bought her this particular ornament. I said, mum, go and get your ornament and meet me down at the police station. Now my mother panicked because she knew what he was like and he'd come out of work if I wasn't where I should be and what have you. She didn't know, I don't think, about the sexual abuse, but she obviously knew about the physical. Um, but she was scared, bless her. Yeah. She was scared. So, but she let me go. I went down to the police station and I took a little bag with me. And um, obviously then it was desk sergeants. It was nothing like police today. It was, you know, Bobby on the beat, blah, blah, blah. blah. And I went and stood at the desk sergeant's little opening thing. He says, right, love, what can I, obviously Yorkshire. <laughs> right, love, what can I do for you? I says, well, I want to report incest. And that's all I could think of. I couldn't think of another word. And he says, oh, he says, and at 23, I looked about 10. You know, our our a young because of my clothing and everything, because he put me in, you know, he wouldn't let me wear modern clothing or anything. Um, and the desk sergeant kind of must have thought I was a lot younger than I was. And he says, uh, oh, he says, that's serious, you know. I says, yeah. And I was fuming with him at that time because it was it was peril. It was the fear of of 
my dad coming into the police station and taking me out sort of thing yeah. you know it, it was it yeah. was really literally you know all these television programs uh dramas and what have you it was literally life or death anyway I plonked this thing on the on this bag on the the counter I says have a look in there and tell me I'm not you know I'm, I'm not serious and he opened the bag and my dad had made me make he'd brought a post office sack home really thick hessian um, and he'd made me make a pair of like chastity pants that I could wear when he wasn't there. Well, the sergeant's face dropped. He, do, he just didn't know what to do. Right, love, you go and sit down. I'll get to you in a minute. Wow. From there on, um, my mum joined me after after she'd done a round. Um, and we were actually, it was, a, it was probably the first year the um Bradford rape center was open so it was brand new it was all high tech from you know from there um went in we we were whisked across to to Bradford uh, everything was done a swab was taken because there'd been problems the night before um and that, you know, I went to Edmund Dwight Police Station at, at like quarter past 10. And it was half past seven at night before they actually found him and arrested him because he'd left work and come out looking for me. And because I wasn't at home, he was looking all over and he couldn't find my mother as well. So I think he knew there was something up. But they arrested him outside the house and on the front seat, there was a hammer, a carving knife, and the butt end of a snooker cue. And the first thing he said to the police, I'm going to kill her. And he would have done. If he'd have got hold of me, he would have done. But that, you know, if I'd have known, and it's all fantastic with hindsight, but I do say to anybody that is suffering, do not fear letting it out. Yeah. I truly wish I'd have done it years ago yeah at that time but as silly as it sounds those years I would change them I won't lie I would change them but I can't but they have made me the person I am yeah I'm proud of me yeah and that's the important thing, isn't it? Absolutely. That we learn from them lessons and we just become these strong, resilient people. And that's, that's the important part. So what was next after, after that? Where, you know, where did you go after that? Well. And what happened reason, to your dad? Yeah, well, he was arrested and he didn't see light of day until court. It went to court. I lost my family, his side of the family. This is one of the tragic things. I lost my favorite aunties and uncles and cousins because they felt that they had to look after him. Blood's thicker than water. That's what I got told. And I'm, yeah. I'm scratching my head with them in the courtroom after it had all been done. And I'm saying, but I'm blood. And I'm the, but anyway, 
30 years on, I met them all before my auntie and uncle died. So, you know, I don't have I don't have contact with them as much as I would like. Obviously, I've missed them more than they've missed me. Um, so that's a sad reflection, but it's, you know, it, it's it's the way it goes. If you don't see somebody for 30 years, it's hard to pick up, you know. Yeah. Um, so he got, the court was ridiculous and the sentencing was appalling. He got four year and four year for two different things to run concurrent, which means he only does four year. He'd done 18 months in prison to start with on remand. And the police were supposed to let us know when he was getting out. Well, here's a little tale. I, I came, I was walking with my mum, Leeds, just opposite the market on the other side of the road. Uh, and who came up and walked in front of us? Wow. Did. He did. We kind of cracked ourselves. I hope you don't mind that word. No, no, no. As as clean as I'd I could. Have said, I, I'd have said a stronger word than that. Yeah, well, I I was thinking it, but got the the other one out. Anyway, my mother, poor little love, you know, and she's a very strong woman. Is my, was my mum. Um, but that day. I think both Annie's, you know, our legs buckled. Yeah. I went straight to the nearest policeman I could find and explained what had happened. Um, and as I say, the, the prison was supposed to let the, uh, because he'd no remorse or anything. Yeah. How he got out so quickly is beyond me. But anyway, um, it, it wasn't, his prison wasn't great. He kept his mouth shut of obviously of why he was in. He was a wife batter as far as everybody were concerned until we found somebody that, and this is Janice, this is where she starts her little, you know, finding people for the right things. Um, I was very lucky to find someone that put someone into prison um, they're dodgy people but I didn't mind they put someone into prison to go and give him a good kick in and it worked because he lost his foot through um being you know badly beaten sad isn't it you know karma and all that yeah. but um when when the police they they put panic buttons in for us and there were a couple of times I have to use them and I cannot fault the police at all because within three minutes they were up at my house when I needed them amazing but he just stalked me for a long time until I stood up to him yeah until I stood up to him um you know that were it and then he was just a pathetic little old man yeah it took a lot of guts you know well done. i mean it, it, it's that it is it's it's that being able to then say no no more i'm i'm not frightened i'm not this frightened girl anymore this little girl inside of me i'm not going to be that frightened person and i'm going to tackle it myself and be brave and not have that fear isn't it yeah sometimes though amanda it's not that you're not brave and you you've got you know, you, you're 
you're that frightened person. Sometimes you have to look at the bigger picture and, and, and put your stall out because I had my mother's and when, when he was alive, my brother's welfare to think of. So I couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. That was my fear. I wasn't frightened of him. I was fed up with the beatings and everything. And you, I suppose over time you come a little bit more blase as well, you know. Um, but it was more looking after other people than what had happened to me because I wasn't, at the time, I wasn't going to sort of lose anything, was I? <laughs> yeah. So I had to keep other people safe. Otherwise, I think... I possibly would have gone and told somebody sooner, but but with him being so violent, um, you just you, and unpredictable, you couldn't do anything. So I, as I say, I thought it was my lot, but onwards and upwards. Yeah. So where where did you go from there? What? So you you said when you t sent me the little bit of your bio that you met somebody that was kind of your was it, did you say surrogate dad or family? But um, that, was that, that the was, next part? Um, kind of, yeah, yeah. It, it, there's a lot that sort of goes in, blends in, you know, across the way there. Um, <clears throat> the, the people that my dad was working for at the time, he was a, a maintenance guy for this company. And he used to do all the houses as well as the offices and what have you you know, the, the owner's um, houses and what have you. So he used to take me to the houses with him uh, so that he knew where I was. Okay. Um, but I became friends with both business partners, them and their families. So it was, it was nice in that respect. You know, it gave me a little bit of freedom that way because it, it meant that I had a, a, a little bit of normality. Yeah. Um, the guy that became my surrogate father on, you know, my, my adopted dad, um, he could not speak to me for a year after it all came out because he felt he'd let me down. Um. Yeah, it, the effect. Plus, he also had a four-year-old daughter at the time. So his thoughts were obviously, has he, doing, has he done anything to to my daughter so so uh, it was quite funny I'd I'd met somebody this is why I'd been strangled or almost strangled I'd met somebody um that I used to go to school with and I was sneaking off work and my mum was letting me how how silly does this sound at 23 um but uh, it was like being a, a child you know a school kid yeah. Um, I'd, I was sneaking off work, not going to work and meeting this guy. Anyway, uh, one night, my dad walked into the pub. He'd found out and it was a bit awkward and what have you. But he'd, in, his, in his warped mind, he decided, I'm going to let her get married because that was where we were at at the time. And I think it was just to get out of home, you know, but it was a bit of a pipe dream. But he let me get engaged. And the thought behind that was that he was going to take us to his honeymoon and go off a cliff. That was his words, not mine. You know, it's, it, it's, it's what he told me. Um, so after, um, after 
going to the police and what have you. Me, the reason we I argued back with my dad was because this guy had finished with me. He knew because I'd confided in him that week as to what was going on because he thought it were all strange, you know, that I couldn't go out and what have you a lot. And he wanted to beat the living daylights out of him, but I begged him, no, I can't, you know, there's too much, he'll kill us, da, da, da. So we broke up and my dad always said, if you break up with this guy, um, you'll never have another boyfriend. So I was so down on two points you know it was double whammy sort of thing yeah. um, anyway once it had gone to the police he found out and we got back together and sillyly I went ahead with the wedding that we'd been planning while he was there while my dad was there so that was the next step but I went from one abuser to another the guy was a drunk. I didn't know until I'd met him, until I'd married him. But bear in mind, I didn't see him that often. And of course, I was naive. Um, so he was the, you know, you normally go for like, you go from one bad relationship to another until you recognize the signs and you're strong enough to say, no more. Yeah. I've done this, I'm not doing it again. And you're right, You there's a cycle that you'll keep doing over and over again till you learn that lesson. And that lesson is, yeah, you've got to work on yourself and your healing and understand why you keep going for the wrong people. Absolutely. Um, I did that twice and no more. Did it after one guy after, after I, I left my husband um and and no more no more that's when I took control of that side of my life and now nobody tells me what to do uh I will I've always said there's two things I will not be controlled and I won't lie yeah because I lived a web of lies and deceit for so long I will I'm not sure if we've lost her. Uh, sorry, I, I didn't know whether you were still there. So I don't accept lies from anybody and I don't give them. If they don't like it, it's tough, but that's just a little trait. So um, how did you get out of this, this marriage then? What happened there? How did you I break away. I walked away from it. Okay. I, and this is where the stepdad part comes in. Right. For the first year of my marriage, um, he wasn't around simply because he couldn't face me and then all of a sudden we were at a do and he was there and we chatted um and then he said come and work for us you know the business inside out because from 14 I'd been there when they started building the company so um what was the company I can't well I, I it, it I don't know whether I should tell you because I don't want to give his, you know, I haven't asked his permission to, to what, speak. What, what, what does it what does it do essentially? 
it's a unique company it's a unique uh, okay it's in the textile okay it's in the textile world the company um has a lot of divisions now um and a lot is to do with steam cleaning of hospitals and what have you so but but it started off as as a particular and it's nobody is it's a unique product that nobody you know as as so you would kind of know the company okay uh, and i haven't i never thought to ask permission if it was all right to to chat sure. about it no 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 that's fine okay um i will tell you later but obviously this is going out yeah um, yeah so yeah um getting out of the marriage um he oh gosh it comes back to violence again he came home one one night it was my birthday the next day and he literally we had pine you know when pine was all the rage um we had a pine bed and he was a strong guy he was a, a very fit sort of bodybuilder and he lifted the bed up and pushed me over to the wall in it and i thought i'm not putting up with this anymore and he'd gone off with somebody else anyway so uh but he thought that was all right you know in his drunkard state he'd uh, been driving without a license got caught and he went to prison um i'd done him once for battery but like until you until you sort of fall out of love with them and realize what's going on you forgive them so i went to the court and said oh please don't don't be very hard on him but he went to, he went to prison anyway for a short while but of course by then you take them back you know you, it's a cycle you yeah. take them back yeah. until you until you realize until until you sort of sort yourself out and say you're better than this but it takes a lot of time, you know, yeah. and the amount of people that tell you, oh, leave him, leave him. You don't. You don't. That you've hit a really important point because loads of people go, well, why didn't you just leave? But, it's it, not- you know, there's so many things why people don't leave. It could be financial abuse. You know, you might not have the money to leave. You might not have anywhere to go. Like you, you might be fearful of what, will happen to your family you know you've got that person going oh well the, you know this will happen if you leave so there's all it's, these things you know, isn't it's emotional as well you're still yeah. in love with the person you always think you can change them yeah yeah you can't. yeah you can't. and the sooner people realize that the better but you cannot tell someone and expect them just to leave them like that because emotions play a part and You'll dig your heels in and you, know, you can say to somebody that's going through a so. trauma. Yeah, yeah. But people that don't go through it, but go through life with, you know, lovely rosy coloured tinted glasses. I'm not jealous of them because it makes them a little bit of a small person. I don't think they if you haven't had trauma in your life and all you've had is roses and, you know, and honey sort of thing you're missing something and I mean that in a nice way I I mean that in life experiences I think that you if you suffer traumas not always as bad as mine or or yourself um I think a little bit of trauma gives you 
more idea of reality and life. Most beautiful people come from traumatic backgrounds. I really do believe that because you go through so much and then you just become this sort of resilient you you know you've had like you say those lived experiences where yeah. it just makes you a stronger understanding person yeah well I'm a Libra and, and I balance everything you know I see the good and bad in everybody yeah. and don't, don't get me wrong excuse me don't get me wrong not everybody that goes through trauma comes out nice yes yeah. yeah. So, you know, sadly, some people are marked by it and, you know, they choose to be a victim to it, if you you like. Yeah, some people never heal, never understand. They're always, you know, when you can become conscious, that's when you begin your, you know, your healing journey. So you met this, you met this... um, (laughs) You met this man from the company that we can't talk about, but... Sorry. (laughs) No, 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 don't apologise. Don't ever apologise. So where where did you go then? Right, okay. So so when, when, um, when I decided life was up with my husband... Um, I told this person and he went and bought me a flat down in Heaven's Like and moved me straight out. So he was from that day on, he was very protective, but he also became my mentor for business. Now there were two, there is, well, there was two, but there's they they one sold out to Pops. Pops is what I call him. So if you're listening, you'll know. <laughs> Does he know that you have, you're on a podcast? Um, oh. I should be telling him tomorrow. Well, I'll get, I'll send you the link, and you can, you know, you can send him. Good job. Um, so, uh, what an experience to have a mentor at that age, like who can talk you through business and show you the ropes. Well, I, as I say, I love wasn't it? It was absolutely. I do believe in things like that. I'm a great believer in fate. I think your your life is mapped out before you know before you're born. Yeah. Um. I am. Uh. This might not go down well with your your listeners, but I'm a. My mother is has always been a spiritualist, and it's a way of life rather than a religion. Um, and we were brought up in what they call the spiritualist church. Um, so, you know, we're great believers in, in fate. It's not a, like I say, church is a, a term to, to try and put it into a cubby hole, but it's not. Um, but um, we're great believers in fate. So what happened was... Um, these two these two guys set this company up. One was the boffin that invented the process that they that they sell, and Pops was brought in because he was the mouthpiece. He was the seller. He was the suave, sophisticated guy back in the eighties that could sell coal to Newcastle. Okay. You know, ice to Eskimos, that sort okay. of thing, and. Um, he he was like nothing I'd ever, you know, he was my idol and still is. Um, but he taught me everything. He taught me the gift of the gab, let's say. 
um, and and everything else. But he he taught me to sell, and I can't fault him for it. <laughs> but he also taught me uh, to have a social conscience. Yeah. You know, the company has a social conscience and, you know, 40 years on, 40, oh, crikey, yeah, 40 years on now. Goodness me. Uh, and it's still Leeds-based, so it's still a local company, but it has offices across the world. You know, it is an international company. Um, when I was 23 and I left my husband and went to work for this company, um all I left my husband within six months of getting married uh it, it was I went back I went back like an idiot a couple of times uh but it just wasn't the same so that was it ta-ta um I, there is one thing I think after trauma that you tend to have and that is a cold side once you've realized that people aren't all that they think they are and that you think they are I think you have a very quick turn and you can say, that's it, ta-ra. I think you're more intuitive, yeah. definitely. And you, you can recognise somebody that is fake. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And you will only put up with so much rubbish. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and But that's maybe it's personal to me, I don't know, but I just... <sighs> I don't suffer fools anymore. I suffered can I one. Ask you, can I ask you, Janice, is there any tools that you particularly use in any way from after all this trauma? Uh, well, I say no. At 12, I, from, oh, crikey, you have to remember that we only had three television stations. We only had three channels back then. I remember it well. <laughs> Like awful when you think about Hello. it. I remember watching something, and my dad was sat in the chair, um, and the settee was sat back from him, and he couldn't see me. But I picked up on one small thing. I can't even remember what it was, but it was to do with being abused and it not being your fault. And that from that point on, I actually started counseling myself yeah one other I suppose oh crikey one tool if you can call it a tool I don't know it, it's not a it was my tool if you like um I used to live two lives I had parallel lives if you can you know it's not schizophrenia or anything like that it was just a coping mechanism and it worked for me. When my dad was there, I was this person. When he wasn't, even though I wasn't allowed out, I lived a life. I had a disco in the kitchen. You know, there was a bit of normality. Yeah. So, so that, you know, it's, it's been self-counselling all the way through. And I think that's quite normal, isn't it? Wearing a mask for different situations that you find yourself in. And it's about taking that mask off and saying, yeah. right, I'm not wearing this mask anymore and being this person that I'm really not. I'm just yeah. going to show my true self. Absolutely. So amazing. Where are, so where are you going? So you, you, you've got um, the, your flat, 
and you're working alongside your mentor, your, your surrogate dad. And yeah. where, where are you going now with your life? Okay, I spent 18 months in Chesapeake Bay on the marine wow okay. fantastic and this is through the company yeah um we had something that they wanted for the uniforms again it was textile i spent a fabulous 18 months in chesapeake bay going to virginia beach every other weekend um one of the one of the small stories um that i have from that time was that I used to get up at like four o'clock in the morning with the Marines and I would go for a jog with them. Amazing. They would have, they would have full kit on and what have you and their backpacks and what have you because they were training. Um, and after half an hour, I couldn't keep up. <laughs> so they used to pick me up and throw me over the shoulder and they weren't allowed to stop, you know, on their on their run. And they used to throw me across when they when the guy that was carrying me got heavy that I got heavy yeah. on. They used to throw me to the next guy. Absolutely. So I I ended up being the little mascot, you know. But it was good fun. I I had life. I certainly made up a lot. Um, in fact, through all my life, you know, from 23 onwards, I've made up for what I missed out on. So can't grumble. And that's so that thing. was that. So that was the next um, the next 18 months after leaving the husband and what have you. From that point onwards, I've always worked in the background, no matter what else I've been doing. Um, and I now am chair of the company. Wow. But, but, you know, I do my own thing as well. I only go to meetings and stuff and I run. There's only me and the secretary left from the original group. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, in the first year of trading, the guys made so much money that the people, there were three women that helped them set up the company and worked for six months without wages um, in the first at uh, the first Christmas party we had, they paid off these three ladies' mortgages. Wow. And they were all in the 20s. So they had the houses in the 20s. Wow. And again, going back to the time, that was unheard of. But that yeah. was, you know, that was dead on. Amazing. Yeah. So we, we're running out of time. I know, we should do another. <laughs> We could do another with all your stories, absolutely. If you would like, I don't mind. So where are you? Let's talk about where you are now. And okay. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's just finish on where you are now. We've got a few more minutes just to right. kind of say where you're now, where where are you now, and what you're doing. Well, as I say, I have the online bookshop. Um, Again, uh, lots of funny stories with that, especially how we set it up um, and how I got to know Jeff Bezos. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, but that was when he was young and, and not as famous as he and not a billionaire as he is now. Okay, wow. I still have the link there. Um, but at the moment, I am designing a new collection. Uh, of crochet and knitwear. I have my um, 
website nearly live, but it isn't quite. Who uh, is crocheting? You? Yeah. I, I, I used to design for two fashion houses, not at the same time, obviously, but um, if you go to D&G, Dior, I haven't said them, anything that is crocheted, shoes, handbags, dresses, coats, blah, 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 is my design. Wow. I've just broken my NDR, so, you know, let's hope they don't hear about it, but... Wow, no, listen, oh, gosh, I've gone to work today, and <laughs> one of my... my... One of my directors, she's a lady with Down syndrome. She's an incredible oh, lady. Yes, I, I love the company. Yeah, I and love, she, yeah. She is an, an amazing crocheter. And she, I got there today. It's just funny that you should talk about this because I got there today and I've just um, become a grandma. Oh, and, fantastic. Congratulations. No, so I, I know, it's amazing. So a week ago, she's, she was a week on Monday, one week on Monday. So what, what are we now? Night, uh, two weeks with Thursday. Something like that. And um, I, I, I turned up to, to work today where she was and she said, oh, I've made you a present for the baby. And I opened it up and it's a crocheted blanket. Oh, fantastic beautiful she's such yeah. a lady I'd love to introduce her to her yeah yeah well that's I'd, I'd be quite happy to do that yeah. yeah so um so the website is going live and I'm just about to go looking at funding for the airports okay where, where, do you, airport. where do you normally look for funding do you because I know you're really clever like you told me well, for this particular one, it's I'm going after leveling up yeah. money. Yeah. So I might as well, you know. Um, everything is ready to go. I have a lit. What it is basically is I want a wall in the airport airside uh, to put an art gallery. Amazing. So it helps local artists. They get to put their work up for nothing. I don't take a commission when I sell. My money comes out of the magazine that goes with it. And it's a and it's a good magazine. <laughs> so, but yes, at the moment for that, um, I'm going for leveling up money. Um, it's it's leads based. Um, and if I don't have it, somebody else will. Exactly. So I kind of call it free money. It's free money. Which, you know, you've got to put the work in, obviously, but essentially it's free money, isn't it? Yeah. The one the one thing that I, I will say, the one thing that Pops has always told me, try never to use your own money to start a business. Yeah. Always go and find some. I have a habit of starting businesses with like 300 quid. If, and, and I know it sounds terrible, but I, I'm a Yorkshire girl. I'm as tight as they come. <laughs> right? So I, I have a funny way of working out whether a business is viable or not, not. I start with how much profit I want to make and work it backwards. And I once had a business partner that couldn't get his head around that and said, Janice, you're a bit pie in the sky here. He says, I'd have to do a, 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 a 
flow chart sort of sheet, you know, uh, I, I forget what they call them. Um, and he's a spreadsheet, that were it. And he came back to me like two weeks after when he'd finished working it out, two weeks after and said, Janice, how did you get that figure? Because you're dead on down to the last penny. I says, because I have a, a head that just knows what she wants and knows how to get it sort of thing. Wow. So, uh, but I honestly, I know I'm I'm aware of your time, but I would love to come back and chat some more. I would more. love you to come back because even on a separate issue, you know, there's so many things that I'd like to speak to you about that that we just haven't had time to cover. Absolutely, I think we've covered the back, the past, and moving forward, perhaps maybe we could talk about business and and how my weird approach works yeah. I, don't, I think I don't think that's a weird approach looking at it as how much you want to make I'm rubbish at figures I you know I could maybe do with a bit of advice from you because figures is not my thing um, I have no formal training on anything um, and I do it that way because it saves you a lot of messing about. It saved me two weeks to, opposed yeah. to him, you know, doing his, his, his spreadsheets. I can look in five minutes and tell you whether your business is going to be viable or not. And I know it, it, sometimes I feel awful because I think that's not going to make out. But I, it depends. I, it depends. I work in millions as well because yeah. of what I've done. Um, there's a few things, but I always work in millions and working in that and then looking at someone else's business on a small scale, sometimes I'm probably a bit awful and say, I won't get out of bed for that. Yeah. I have made... you probably say that to me. <laughs> no, no, because I've got older now. That was when I was younger. I... This is this is the downside of what happened to me. Um, I made two million pound and spent it in a year. Wow. I'm not proud of that and I regret everything because I've got nothing to show for it. I spent it on living. So in one respect, I don't care because I had life. But um the one thing that I haven't got from anybody really, and I think I got too old, is money. No worth of money if you if you get me. Because yeah. we never had any, and because I didn't have someone growing up um, to show me how to manage money and things. I think that is a that is probably the biggest regret I have of the way that I was brought up and everything, you know, and everything that happened to me. But I'm making it again, and this time I've got nobody to leave it to because I have no children. I'm just going to live life large. And, that, and, we, and did no regrets. Don't I mean we shouldn't have regrets. We just learn from the lesson. And and why bloody not? You've worked for it. I have that money. Sadly, I have no one to leave it to. So I, I, I do have money for a project sitting in the bank. 
Um, and then I need to add to it as well, which I have that funding, which I spoke to you about earlier. Um, but um, if I don't, if I, I set myself one, I've set myself a time scale to do this last project, this last big project that I want to do. And if I don't do it, I'm going on a world cruise all the way oh, around. Right, Till I'm it, coming with you. Very welcome. <laughs> till the money runs out oh Janice <laughs> do you know what you've been an absolute pleasure to have oh, on thank you oh so much what I've, I've just had a blast having you on it's just been so lovely so I've enjoyed yeah. it but maybe maybe we should do another one let's have a part two out of it you know get the joy out of it we've had all the crap this time eh? yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah let's have the part two um you know that was lovely and thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure to find out about you and what you're doing and just everything about your life it's just been incredible so thank you for sharing that and being so vulnerable um, I, do you know what I don't really know what vulnerability is but you have to teach yourself that yeah yeah you know you and if um if there's anybody that needs any talking to or any chats and they want to come and have a chat pass pass my if anybody gets in touch with you pass my email on because I'm you know they're very welcome if I can help them oh Janice thank right, you so I've enjoyed it it's been <laughs> It's been a bit. It's been a bit strange talking about me. <laughs> it's been lovely. I've loved it. I've loved talking about you and finding out about you. So thank you so much. Pleasure. Um, where can anybody find you if if they want to find you before we go? Uh, what do you mean? Well, um, your email is is that or should we leave? Yeah, it? yeah email's grand. Um, you can get me at. I'll give you this one, Janice three two one two three at Gmail. Okay, Gmail. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Thank you so so much. Right, we're going to end end the recording. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And you. Thanks very much. Thank bye bye. You.